I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. By now, most of us have heard or played with ChatGPT. That's the AI-powered chatbot that's dazzled and terrified users with its ability to quickly spit out coherent paragraphs on basically any topic. But months after its release, we're still trying to figure out how ChatGPT and similar generative AI tools can be applied in our day-to-day lives. There are lots of concerns right now, especially when it comes to how we work. In the past week, Hollywood writers and actors have been striking over a number of issues, including fears that AI could be used to replace them. SAG-AFTRA president Fran Drescher issued an urgent warning. If we don't stand tall right now, we are all going to be in trouble. We are all going to be in jeopardy of being replaced by machines. But concerns over the regulation of AI extend beyond the glitz and glamour of Hollywood. Today on Fifth Emission, we're going to explore a more mundane, but maybe a more compelling use for AI, making governments work better. While the Bay Area has been the birthplace of AI technology, cities like San Francisco have been slow to use it in city governance. Why is that? Chronicle reporter Chase DeFelici Antonio joins me to discuss how city agencies are considering AI in their services. I'm also joined by Washington correspondent Shara Stein, who shares how one Bay Area congressman is hoping to push the idea of an AI-powered government even further on the federal level. Later, state capital reporter Sophia Bolag will share why, when it comes to regulating AI, California seems like it might be ready to move way ahead of the rest of the country. First, Shara Stein and Chase DeFelici Antonio on how AI can empower governments. Shara, Chase, thanks for being here. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Chase, let's start with you. ChatGPT was invented in San Francisco, yet you reported that the city has been slow to adopt the technology in its city services. Other cities have done a better job, though. How's the tool being used elsewhere? So OpenAI first came out with ChatGPT, at least publicly, around November of last year. So it's been a while. So one example is in Boston. Their city government has essentially told its employees, dating back to earlier this year, that they should essentially feel free to experiment with ChatGPT and you know, so-called generative AI tools to basically understand their power and potential. The idea is whether or not they decide to use them, people should understand that this is something that's probably here to stay and might have significant benefits or drawbacks. Also, New York City's Department of Schools initially blocked the site to access ChatGPT earlier this year, but then they reversed course and decided to bring some of the technology into the classroom, let students tool around with it and even use it to develop some lesson plans. So it shows that other cities are really thinking pretty deeply and closely about whether or not and how to potentially use some of this emerging tech. When most of us think of the government, the term early adopter doesn't usually come to mind. But Shara, how might ChatGPT and other tools be used on the federal level with government agencies? Yeah, I don't think anyone would consider the federal government an early adopter of anything. But there are definitely ways that it could be used. The bill I'm writing about that comes out today is really looking at how can the federal government more efficiently and more effectively do its job. This bill is specifically focused on search functions within federal government websites, but could also be used for research for lawmakers, for members of executive branch agencies. 
We could even possibly see it drafting emails. You know, I think of the Medicare agency sending out emails to Medicare recipients multiple times a year. So there's a lot of different ways that this could be used in future years. Chase, it does seem like there's a case to be made for governments to adopt AI tools. And you reached out to the city of San Francisco to see how agencies there are using tools or not using tools. What did you find out? Initially, I was kind of asking around about how they might use this technology, but that kind of developed into me trying to find out if there are any citywide policies or even department-level policies in place. Eventually, the response I got from Mayor London Breed's office is that there isn't a policy in place, but that the mayor's office has tasked the office of the city administrator with working on one. It's not really clear when that might be in place, though. I also reached out to other departments. For example, the school district said it does not have a policy. Neither does the human resources department for the city. The city also has a technology department. I could not get a hold of them. And also there's a committee at the city level that essentially focuses on the future of technology and how it's used by the city. They also did not respond to requests for comments. Other agencies like Muni did respond. They pointed out that they have some AI implemented in a limited way, for example, to look at traffic patterns. But the implementation of some of that dates back to around 2021 and doesn't involve what you would call generative AI, something like ChatGPT that can generate text or, in some cases, images. Shara, obviously some slow adoption happening on the local level. And you spoke to Congressman Ro Khanna, who represents portions of Silicon Valley. He's introduced a bill today, as you mentioned, that would help speed along AI adoption, at least on the federal level. Tell us how that bill was made, because in itself, it's sort of a proof of concept and how AI can be helpful. Yeah, I have never been more surprised than when I found out how this bill was written. I was reaching out to congressional offices because we had heard that some lawmakers were using AI, particularly to write communications, emails and things like that. And the response I got from his office was, oh, we have a bill that was drafted by ChatGPT+. And I was shocked. I had never even thought that somebody was going to be using that. But he told me his reason for doing so. But if a legislative council uh, has uh, 50 bills they're working on in a month, and if this makes it easier for them to focus so that it doesn't take me three months to get a draft, but now they can get me a draft in two weeks, then that's not displacing anyone from the legislative council office. So the bill would basically require this Office of Management and Budget, which sort of manages a lot of things across federal agencies, they should issue guidance to tell federal agencies how they could use AI in their website search function. If you go to any federal agency website, it's really hard to find what you're looking for, especially if you're looking in the search box. His goal is to make it so that they're using AI to have better answers when you're looking on those websites. So, Chase, I mean, we can see that ChatGPT and other tools are already being used to create bills, but there's always this kind of discomfort or fear when we place any kind of responsibility in a new technology. Why is it so important for governments to have guidelines and policies in place, according to some of the AI experts you spoke to? Because this is really powerful technology, it can kind of be used for good and also potentially for damaging purposes. I mean, the point here is less that governments, city, federal, what have you, definitely should or definitely shouldn't be using this kind of stuff. 
It's more that the route that Boston is taking or the route that New York is taking, governments need to be paying attention here to essentially avoid being left behind. And when there's no guidance, it creates the possibility for someone to use it in a harmful way, as something that could have significant consequences for citizens, especially in terms of maybe that someone using it to draft an email that goes out and sends out bad information. Another example of how this technology can be potentially harmful is something that AI experts call hallucination. So that's when you might put a prompt into ChatGBT, ask it a question, and it comes up with an answer that it produces quickly and very confidently, but it can be incorrect, either entirely or partially, or it's just not clear where it's getting the information. And this is something that AI researchers have worked on for a long time to tamp down, but this is complicated technology and the inputs and outputs aren't always clear. So I spoke to Beth Novak, she's a professor at Northeastern University who's kind of studied this issue and wrote about how Boston has been using this technology. And she essentially said that at this point, it's this type of technology has been out long enough that at the city level, at the very least, if you don't have a policy or guidelines in place, you've pretty much fallen behind. Well, Shara, this sort of echoes why Ro Khanna is trying to put forth this federal bill. What's the bigger point he's trying to make with all of this on top of just trying to encourage adoption of AI? The sense I got from him is he doesn't want the federal government to be left behind. He wants to show that concerns about AI are some of them are founded, but some are not necessarily, that there are ways to use it to help workers without replacing them. The fact is that today members of Congress have far more uh, information and in their fingertips than uh, Thomas Jefferson ever did. But none of us are going to be as good at writing the Declaration of Independence. That's the genius. For this bill, I mean, the reason that they thought of using ChatGPT to draft the legislation is that the House Legislative Council is, he said, understaffed and can take sometimes months to draft new bills. This sped up the process. All they had to do was input it into ChatGPT. They had a real human edit it and amend it. But then it went to the Legislative Council, who made some small legal change, and then it could be introduced. So it, it sped up the process a lot. So how different is the first draft of the bill from the second draft? How did the AI do? They're surprisingly very, very, very similar. So there's this part of most congressional bills that's called the findings. It basically says, here's what Congress found on this subject. The findings are word for word from the version that ChatGPT drafted back in May and the version that the congressman is introducing today. There's some small tweaks for legal requirements to make it work for, you know, for federal law, some additions of definitions. And then the only substantive change is was that the OMB should, quote, encourage the adoption of AI and not, as the draft said, mandate. So it's really amazing. Most of this bill was written by ChatGPT. I mean, Chase, hearing the efficiency of the tool for something like that, that Shara just described, I mean, that could be beneficial for a city like San Francisco, who is notoriously known for being sort of slow with a lot of city services. Is this sort of another example of just slow governance? I think this can maybe be seen as part of that same issue. The city has been traditionally historically very slow on when it comes to building permits or even hiring people. This type of technology could, in theory, speed up some of those kind of long-term vexing issues. The Chronicle has reported in the past that it takes an average of 
255 days to hire a new city employee. That's a really long time. It creates all these unfilled vacancies. Services can suffer as a result. And potentially experimenting with these tools might be one way to fix some of those long-term problems. But being slow on the uptake and even potentially ignoring some of these tools, it's essentially ignoring a potential solution. Well, Shara, in the meantime, at least on the federal level, while it seems like things may be slow to move in the regulation area, what else can be done? Congress is notoriously bad at technology, especially members of the Senate. They're fairly old, and so they're not always up on the latest technology. Recently, there was a briefing held for senators just explaining what AI is. So I think that's sort of emblematic of a larger technology problem. There's also going to have to be a lot of discussion of how do you actually regulate something like the AI, and then obviously work to get both parties to come to an agreement. So I think it could take quite a while to get an idea. Brokana's idea is that he wants to see sort of a regulatory agency similar to the FDA managing this. I don't see Republicans supporting that. And so that's not something we'll see in this Congress. But his bill has a really good shot. This one is sort of low hanging fruit. And he has a Republican leader on board with the bill, the chair of the relevant subcommittee. So it's sort of a small baby step towards future AI usage by the federal government. Well, we'll be keeping an eye on that. Chase, Shara, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Chase DeFilici Antonio covers tech and labor for The Chronicle, and Shara Stein is the newsroom's Washington correspondent. Their stories about government regulation and use of AI is online at sfchronicle.com and on The Chronicle app. Federal and city governments may be slow to adopt and use AI, but the California state legislature could propel AI regulation forward. Why? Chronicle reporter Sophia Bolag will explain after a quick break. You're listening to Fifth and Mission. You can support the newsroom that creates this podcast by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Sophia Bolag, we just heard from Chronicle reporters Cher Stein and Chase DeFilici Antonio about how it's challenging for federal and local governments to use and regulate AI. But here in California, the state legislature appears poised to fill the void left by the federal government. Why might California lawmakers be better positioned to lead on this issue? There are a number of things about California that make it a place where you might be more likely to see comprehensive AI regulation than the federal government. It's the birthplace of a lot of technology. It's home to a lot of the companies that are developing this artificial intelligence software. And it's also just a much more agile government body It is dominated by one party. It's dominated by Democrats. Democrats control all the statewide offices in California, and they also hold supermajorities in both houses of the legislature. That's very different from what you see in Congress, where power is divided between Democrats and Republicans. And so it's very hard to pass really anything controversial in Congress. AI in particular is a very complex emerging new industry, and it's going to be something that's very difficult to craft legislation around. And already the state has something of a track record of leading on efforts to confront big changes in tech, right? 
Absolutely. So the example that experts I've talked to kept pointing to is California's internet privacy law, which lawmakers passed a few years ago. It requires websites to let California residents opt out of the collection and sale of their data. And while those are rights that the law only really guarantees to California residents, it's effectively set standards across the country because websites want to operate across states and California is the largest, most populous state. And so if you want to reach consumers in California, you have to follow California's laws. So that was a very influential law that really has influenced the whole country. At the same time, though, Sophia, when it comes to AI, one early attempt at regulation in California died in committee, but it has gotten a lot of attention. Tell us about that. And what did that attempt try to do? So the bill you're talking about was authored actually by a lawmaker from the Bay Area, Assemblymember Rebecca Bauer-Cahan, who is a Democrat. And her bill aimed to crack down and really block discriminatory artificial intelligence by barring companies from using AI-powered algorithms that discriminate against people. So Bauer-Cahan and other supporters of the measure argued that when AI-powered algorithms are used to do really consequential things like screen job applications or determine whether someone should be released from jail pending a criminal trial based on their risk level to the public or someone's application to live in a a particular building or house, if AI-powered algorithms are being used to screen those things and they're discriminating against people based on protected classes like race or ethnicity or gender, that could be really harmful. She and supporters argued that this is something that should be regulated. Business groups who opposed the legislation argued that while they supported the idea, they felt that her legislation was too broad And ultimately, it was shelved in committee in May. It's, you know, death earlier this year essentially means that there are not currently any major artificial intelligence regulations that California lawmakers are considering right now. And even AI companies were disappointed by the bill being blocked. Why? Some of them were. And it's hard to speak about the AI industry as a monolith because it's not. When we talk about AI, you know, it it encompasses a vast array of different technologies from something like ChatGPT to something like what Rebecca Bauer-Cahan's bill aimed to regulate, like an algorithm that might sort through job resumes or something like that. Some companies, and one I talked to that supports having some regulations or framework in place, is, is Workday. Workday is an HR software company, essentially. Some companies like Workday argue that there really should be rules of the road so that consumers can feel safe using this technology. They don't feel like the government needs to tell them, you know, how to do it responsibly. But they do think that there should be a standard across the industry so that consumers can trust them when they say they're doing it responsibly, that there's a third party entity that is 
confirming that essentially. And so that's why a lot of AI companies are asking for regulation at some level. Sophia, the Hollywood writers and actors strike is really highlighting the urgency for AI regulation. Now that the bill you just mentioned is shelved, what else could happen in the state? Well, with respect to the labor union's concerns about AI, they, as far as I know, aren't calling for specific regulations from the government. Their strike is really calling for provisions in their contract with the movie studios that would forbid them from replacing them with AI. But I think it really underscores that this is an area of technology where labor unions are really engaged and really concerned. And anytime you have labor starting to get involved in a policy area, there's a good chance that lawmakers at the state level are paying attention to what they're saying. Labor unions are super, super influential in Sacramento at the Capitol. Many Democratic lawmakers really go out of their way to appeal to labor unions. How that exactly manifests itself in specific policy proposals, too soon to say, but definitely the debate in the labor community around this technology means it's something that California lawmakers are going to pay attention to. Back in June, Sophia, we saw Governor Gavin Newsom and President Joe Biden attend an AI summit in San Francisco. We know that Newsom cares a great deal about AI. What has he said about regulation? So late last month, I spoke with the governor. He told me that he's taking a deep dive into artificial intelligence to really understand the technology. He and his office have not endorsed any specific regulations, but the fact that it's something on the governor's radar, I think, is significant and and does suggest that it's something that that might be on lawmakers' radar, too. There's also an effort in the state legislature that calls for a complete pause on the development of AI. What's happening there? So there is a resolution that was introduced by a Republican member of the legislature, Assemblymember Bill Asaley, He's introduced a resolution calling on a pause on all new AI technology while the federal government can develop new laws. Last I checked, this bill had not received any hearings, so it's not clear that many of Asaley's colleagues agree with him. But if they were to take it up as an issue and pass it, it would not really have the force of law. A resolution isn't like a regular bill where, you know, they're enacting a new law that people have to follow or they could face consequences. Instead, it would just be an official statement by the state legislature calling on Congress to regulate this new technology and to make sure there are safeguards in place. And I I spoke with him about why he introduced it, and he said he's really concerned about misinformation circulating as a result of AI technology being used by people, you know, potential privacy concerns. He told me that he really doesn't think the state government is the right body to regulate AI. He thinks it's a, a big issue that the federal government should take on, that that's really the appropriate place for regulations to be crafted. That's his perspective. As you mentioned earlier, California sets a precedent for technology regulation across the country. What are the broader stakes of what happens in the state? 
California, because it is the most populous state, is really influential and it becomes difficult for companies to follow California's laws if there's like a patchwork of different regulations in other states. And so if California or other states jump in and start passing their own comprehensive AI regulations, that really would create an incentive for companies to go to the federal government and really push for a federal regulation because that would allow them to have a consistent standard across the country, at least in theory. And for a lot of companies, I imagine that would be preferable. Sophia, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Sophia Bolag covers the state capitol for The Chronicle. Find her story about AI regulation in California at sfchronicle.com and on The Chronicle app. This episode was produced by Keith Menconi with additional production help from Laura Wenis. Thank you to Gary Baca for the edits and to you for listening. <laughs> 